Welcome to Impact, a podcast ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. Impact features interviews with gifted Bible teachers that will help you better understand Scripture so it will have a greater impact on your life. The host of Impact is Mark Jenstead, the Staff Minister for Nurture at St. Andrew. Hi, everyone. Jesus says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Those words of Jesus teach us that we rely on God's word for spiritual vitality. Let's feed on that powerful word. We'll start with prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for providing for all our needs. Keep our earthly interests from interfering with time spent in your word. As we open your word today, teach us, strengthen us, and show us our salvation. Amen. So thank you folks for listening to this podcast. If you have any feedback on today's episode, you will hear our email address in the close. You can use that to reach me. And here's a request for you to consider. Say a prayer for this ministry and for the guests that come on this podcast. Pray that it is a blessing to all who listen and thank God for the Bible teachers that share their wisdom with us and that he would bless their ministry as well. And today I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin at Fox Valley Lutheran High School. And I'd like to introduce you to our latest guest. He's a first-time guest, Pastor Eric Shazer. Welcome to Impact. Hi there, Mark. Thanks for having me on today. It's great to be with you today. Uh, I know your brother, Kurt. We were kind of buddies back in the day. So tell him hi for me. I will say hi to him. I, I hope you get a chance to talk to him. He lives down in uh, the West Bend area, so about an hour and a half from here. So I'm thankful that he and his family are closer. Okay, very good. How long have you been here at Fox Valley? Uh, probably 22 years, I think. I'm not good at math, but I think it's about 22 years. And were you in a parish before that? I was in Des Moines, Iowa for four years before I came here, and I actually was a tutor at Northwestern College for two years Okay, uh, before that. Yeah, so a Hawkeye. Yep, yep, exactly. Ames, uh, Ames is pretty close, too. We had a lot a of Iowa State. We had a lot of Iowa State fans. Okay. Had some guys who had gone and played uh, basketball and football there at Iowa State, so. But you're a Badger fan? Uh, actually, I'm from the Chicago area, so I am, I don't know if I can even say this you on can. your podcast, I am a uh, uh, Bears fan, a Cubs fan, and a Notre Dame football fan, so... You know, you and I have a lot in common, because we <laughs> both have a love for sports and sports yep. broadcasting, and I'm a Notre Dame football fan. Are you really? Always have been. Well, I shouldn't say always. It started for me with the movie Rudy. Yep. Uh, I was probably in... A little out of high school, and okay. ever since then, I've been a Notre Dame football fan. I am, too. I grew up that way. My uh, dad was a big Yankees fan because they always won, and Notre Dame football because they always won, and it was close to Chicago. And so growing up, my mom and dad, were they would go to games every year with some friends of theirs, and I so I would always watch games with my dad at home. So that's how I grew up and became a Notre Dame football fan. I actually got to, got to go to a game in... 89, I think, uh, and they had just won the national championship in 88, and the atmosphere there is just electric. Yeah, so. Lou Holtz. Well, uh, so you, you uh, teach here religion classes. Tell us what you teach. Uh, Mark, I teach uh, modern church history. That's my main one. And then uh, teach uh, Latin 2, 
and then uh, Old Testament surveys. So we start with Genesis and get through the entire Old Testament in a whole semester. And then you so, coach soccer. Coach soccer here, yep. Hey, I have a soccer question for you. Why, why is a soccer field called a pitch? Uh, Mark, that's an awesome question. I should have known. Uh, I thought we were going to talk about Revelation <laughs> today, so I wasn't delving into the, uh, uh, the backstory of, of soccer, but I'm sure so there's you, some you connection. I do not officially know. I'm sure I've read somewhere along the line, but I do not remember. Well, you know, I was thinking about this question, and because I coached baseball for a long time, so if someone, you know, why is it called a baseball diamond? Well, that's easy, right? Mm-hmm. But then I got to thinking, if someone says, why is it called a basketball court? I say, I have no idea. I don't know why it's called a court. Or a tennis court. Yeah. yeah. Baseball field makes sense. Baseball diamond. But anyways, all yeah. right. so we don't know why it's called a pitch. I'm going to look. I there will you let go. you know. Send us an email. Someone's yep. going to email me and tell me that. I, <laughs> I will let you know. Well, I didn't hear, though, uh, we're talking about Revelation. You said that. Yep. Revelation chapter 13 today. So you don't teach Revelation here, or, or do you? I do. It's a part of our church history uh, curriculum. We start out, uh, that's where we start with church history, with the book of Revelation, the early Christian church, and most of the kids haven't had a chance to look through it. I mean, a lot of people are scared of Revelation because they just, I have no idea what it's talking about. And so when we start talking about the beginning of junior year, and most of the kids have not, they've had a few of them, maybe a little bit, but most of them, other than a few verses here and there, don't don't know a whole lot about Revelation, so uh, it's good. Uh, we could spend months on it, obviously, but we have a chance in three, three and a half weeks to at least touch on some of the highlights of Revelation. Right, and that's kind of what we're going to do today. We have about uh, 25 minutes, give or take, and we're going to talk about Revelation chapter 13. Before we uh, talk about Revelation 13, is there anything, I know there is, I'll let you tell us, what is there from previous chapters that we need to know before we look at Revelation 13? How long do we have? Is that 25 minutes? <laughs> yeah, because we're, you know, uh, we're just kind of, you, you and I talked about Revelation, <laughs> Yep. and uh, you gave me a lot of chapters to consider, and, yeah. and so I probably couldn't give you a real good answer why I chose chapter 13, but I did, so... It's okay. It's tell, good. Just give us a little something that'll help us understand uh, 13. Just a couple things about Revelation that you should probably know and keep in mind. First, the first thing we talk about uh, is how to interpret the Bible. How do we interpret the Bible? And the great thing is uh, God talks to us just like you and I talk to each other. Uh, we take each other uh, literally. You know, if you told me that you drove in a car today, I'd have no reason to think anything other than you drove here in a car today. There's no deeper meaning there or anything like that. Uh, if you had told me, hey, I had lunch at FEL and it was garbage, I would understand that you were not speaking literally. I know the ladies down there, they would not feed you like, you know, coffee grounds out of the garbage can, but that you were speaking figuratively and you meant lunch was bad. The Lord speaks to us the same way. We take him literally, except when it's obvious he's speaking figuratively. Uh, and then the other part of that interpretation is letting the Bible interpret the Bible. If you're not sure what something means, look somewhere else in the Bible. The Lord does a really good job of explaining himself. It's sort of like a crossword puzzle. You know, you sometimes, if you're not sure about a long, complicated word, you take the other shorter, clearer words that you have figured out to help piece the puzzle together. And Revelation, since it is apocalyptic literature, which is picture language telling the future, 
right away there's our red flag where the Lord is saying, I am speaking figuratively. So once the vision starts uh, nine, ten verses into chapter one, the Lord is speaking figuratively. And that's one of those where sometimes there are some things that it's it's hard to figure out and you use other parts of scripture that are clear and, and literal to help us understand what Revelation means. Uh, what the Lord is doing in the book of Revelation is basically going from Jesus to Judgment Day seven different times uh, using seven different pictures or visions and this just using different pictures. Revelation is a book that's for insiders where you know believers who are well grounded in the foundations and the basics of the Christian faith and it's like uh, the great thing about Revelation is all the things that the Lord reveals to us as we go through the end times which we're living in right now uh, we know how the story ends and how it all comes out Jesus wins so that's the point of Revelation is to let us know you know we're living Revelation chapter 12, right before 13, uh, that we're going to talk about, you know, tells us that the church has been taken out away from its natural home. We're living here. It describes life in this world as a desert, and uh, we're looking forward to, uh, we're sort of in exile, and ultimately the Lord is going to take us to our heavenly home, and that's the point of Revelation, showing us, hey, this is what's going on in this difficult world, but I win and you're going to be in heaven with me. It's certainly clear to me and our listeners that you are a teacher of Revelation. Uh, you said a lot of stuff there, and I understood almost all of it. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. <laughs> uh, before we get into the specifics of Revelation chapter 13, can you give us the big picture look at this chapter? Then we'll take a look at some specific verses. I, I think the big picture, Mark, of this is we see in Revelation... Uh, the devil is a part of Revelation, and he's described as an enormous red dragon, and he's enormous because he's very powerful and influential, and a dragon because he's dangerous and destructive and, and all that. And we see in chapter 13, uh, chapter 12 ends with uh, the devil trying uh, with false teaching to overthrow the church and to make life miserable for believers, God's people. And chapter 13 then uh, begins with the devil sitting, that giant red dragon, sitting by the sea. And then he sees two beasts come up. This is chapter 13. Two beasts come up that are going to be his allies as he fights against the church to make life miserable for the church. Uh, but finally, the devil doesn't win. Okay, let's take a look at some of the specifics then from chapter 13. The first beast coming out of the sea. Uh, not, a, not a pretty sight as, as we see how this is described, this beast with, with ten horns and seven heads and seven crowns on his horns, and each had a blasphemous name. So what about this imagery? Ten horns, seven heads, ten crowns. What can you tell us about that? Well, the great thing about uh, the Bible, Mark, is, and I've learned that this is the first year I've taught Old Testament, so it's really been sort of eye-opening. I mean, obviously, having studied it uh, throughout college and the seminary and my years as a pastor, but really getting back to just going through it chapter by chapter, knowing the Old Testament really adds color to the New Testament. 
And so a lot of this revelation imagery is imagery taken from the Old Testament. So you just mentioned, um, you know, the, the lion and uh, the, uh, the bear and, and those things. Those are taken from Daniel chapter 7. And so it's pretty obvious that connection from what Daniel described to what John is describing here in Revelation, that connection to these worldly powers. Because Daniel, the Lord tells us, here's who this is talking about. Uh, and so we see that obvious connection. Any of the, uh, you know, the listeners or the readers of, of Revelation, most anyway, would have, uh, the Jewish readers of it, would have seen that connection to the Old Testament. We're told the power of the beast comes from the dragon. And you told us the dragon is, is Satan. Uh, that's very significant, isn't it? That, that the power of the beast comes from the dragon. And I think, Mark, you mentioned the, the, the seven heads and the ten horns. That is also how the, the devil is described. The great thing about Revelation is it just comes out and says, oh, by the way, this dragon is the devil. Uh, but described in the same way. So there's that close connection between this beast and the devil. Talking about, uh, ultimately, talking about uh, evil forces with political power. You know, Daniel was talking about some specific governments. There's basically every government uh, since Revelation could fit this category of um, the beast uh you know, out of the sea because of uh, how the devil uses something good, institutions of God that, you know, we are to obey and listen to, how the devil twists things that the Lord wants and uses for our good to serve his own purposes. So this beast out of the sea would be an example of that where uh, the devil twists it and now he's going to use these, these governments of the world, these earthly powers, to affect and afflict God's people. This fatal wound that's mentioned in, I think it's verse 4, it says, one, or verse 3, one of the heads of the beast seemed to have, a, have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. So what's this fatal wound about? Uh, the fatal wound, it's probably describing uh, sort of like a reversal of fortune for this beast, at least temporarily, because then it says it's healed. Uh, if you read the various commentators, and some I really respect and, and look up to, uh, talking about, probably talking about the time of uh, Constantine, where, and this is something we talk about in church history too, where Christianity becomes legal. Uh, 311, the Edict of Milan declares that Christianity is, well, declares all religions legal, so Christianity is the biggest benefactor, benefactor of that, especially after a couple hundred years of persecution, some intense, some not so intense, and discrimination and stuff like that. So that's probably describing that time of reversal of fortune for this beast, where it seems like, oh, the government is now the friend of believers, but the sad truth about all that is that was probably the worst thing that could have happened for the church was Christianity becoming legal because then all of a sudden Christianity became like cool and popular and all the rich and the famous wanted to, hey, the emperor's Christian and so we should be Christian. How can we curry favor with the emperor and all this? 
And so all of a sudden, everybody wanted to be a Christian. So you had a ton of people wanting to be Christian just because it was the thing to do, and they thought there was some economic or political benefit to it. And the actual church believers, they just couldn't keep up. And they were doing baptizing, 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 but they couldn't actually instruct and train people. So you had a lot of people called Christians, but it was just sort of a veneer of Christianity. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to uh, verse 5, and there I see that, I see a number in there, 42 months. And before we talk about what that might mean or uh, more in that verse, I just want to talk about numbers in Revelation. They're all over the place. Tell us, tell us what we should be aware of with the numbers in Revelation. Again, it's one of those things where, you know, it's not just in a vacuum. Some of these are used in other places in the Bible, so we can have a pretty good, pretty clear, uh, pretty sure idea of what they're talking about. Uh, numbers of Revelation, like you said, there's a bunch of them. The number two, uh, that is uh, a number of like faithfulness or trustworthiness. So if two of something brings a message, it can be trusted. Uh, we're going to mention that on the uh, the beast out of the earth is going to have that number two. Uh, the number three is the number of God, uh, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The number four is uh, the earth. Think of the directions, north, south, east, west. Uh, we're going to have in Revelation four beasts reading prophecies. So these are going to be things that affect the world, God's creation. Uh, the number six, which we'll probably touch on later because it comes up right at the end of uh, this chapter, that's the number of imperfection or the devil. Uh, the number seven is uh, three plus four, so that's God's plan for his creation, and that's really what Revelation is. He's revealing his, that's why there's seven visions. Uh, that's why there's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, you know, all these different visions, the number seven, because God is revealing his plan for his creation. Here's what's going to happen, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, to his creation. So, uh, and the number 10 is a big one, too, uh, the number of completeness. Uh, so again, the Lord is not talking literally. This is all apocalyptic literature. It's picture language describing the future. So he's speaking figuratively. And then the number 12 is the number of believers. You know, you think 12 disciples, uh, 12 tribes of Israel. So God's people is the, is the reference there. I'm at verse 5. The beast, the beast that came from the sea, was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and then to exercise his authority for 42 months. I think 42 months there is like the New Testament era, correct? Yeah, that's a reference to, it's three and a half years if you do the math, and that is a reference to God carrying out for a portion, a shorter period of time, a, a part of his plan. So yeah, the New Testament era, that's the three and a half or the 42 months or the three and a half years or 1,260 days that... Revelation is talking about. We're living in it. So in other yeah. words, the time after Christ's ascension until Christ returns? Yeah. Yep. New Testament era? Yep. Okay, blaspheme. That word blaspheme. What does it mean to blaspheme God? Because that's what this beast is is doing. He's uh, given a mouth to do that. Blaspheme means to to mock or to make fun of or make light of. So that idea of mocking God, that's what blasphemy is. Okay, so Satan... The dragon gives the beast, the government, gives, gives government 
the words or a mouth to blaspheme God. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of how government does that today. And you can think, you know, even our own government here in the United States doesn't have to be necessarily some evil government that is killing Christians or whatever. Uh, but unfortunately, every, every government, since Revelation was written, sort of fits the, the bill of the devil uses them to, uh, you know, to come after and Christians and also to mock God. You think about what are some things that our, our very own government supports, you know, things that it pushes, um, whether it's or allows, whether it's uh, abortion or uh, same-sex marriage or, you know, some of these things that are directly opposed to, to God and what God, God has said is good and right and part of his, his design. Another verse here that I'd like to point out uh, about the beast, I'm looking at verse 7. And remember, folks, as always, I would encourage you to take the time to read through this chapter that we are studying, Revelation chapter 13. Verse 7 says, He, and that's the beast, He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. There's a lot in there to unpack. Uh, One thing that I find interesting is that same language there of tribe, people, language, nation is the same language used in chapter 7 to talk about the inhabitants of heaven. Every tribe, people, language, nation. Here it's used completely differently. And also in chapter 17, it's used to describe the followers of the Antichrist. Uh, So it's just, it's describing whether it's in the previous chapter or this chapter, just to describe the immense followings of, of whatever it happens to be, whichever vision or picture we're talking about. Verse 8 says, All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, uh, that can't that can't be all inhabitants. I mean, we don't take that literally. No, it's talk again. It's it's used. Uh, Revelation does that a few times. It talks in chapter one about uh, everyone will mourn when Jesus comes again on Judgment Day. All will mourn. Uh, the meaning there is is most. Uh, I mean, there's ways you can make it work so that you could say, well, sure. That is a something that many in the world depend on, and even we as believers are tempted to depend on. You know, what it's talking about here is what do people look to the government for? They look to the government for peace and prosperity and uh, uh, wealth, and, and that is a, certainly a temptation for us as Christians, too, to even be find our security. Yeah, we know all the promises the Lord has made, but... It's a lot easier to trust those promises when you have a stable government or when my life is going okay or I am having economic prosperity. It's a lot easier to say, yeah, God, yeah, he promised to take care of me. He's doing a really good job of it. And, and I guess if I, if I keep reading, there's a clarification in this same verse, and, and I'm thinking back to what Professor Brug once told me about Revelation in, in a class at the seminary. He said, just keep reading. You know, if, if you're confused in Revelation, just keep reading. And eventually it, it will probably start to make more sense. And I'm proud of you for remembering Professor Brug back at the seminary. That's impressive. So 
I wish I remembered all those things. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say I remember all those things. But it does say in verse 8, so it says, All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. But then it says, All whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. How about that book of life? All whose names have not been written in the book of life, which belongs to the Lamb. What's the book of life? A figurative way of describing the the doctrine of election, where the Lord before creation has chosen uh, those to be His. So the book of life, and this it's referenced in other places too, uh, in Revelation is just in other places in Scripture. But that our name is in the book of life, and what does the Lord promise? That nothing can take you out of My hand, even. The devil and his schemes and the different agents he uses to try and push us away, uh, the Lord promises that we will always be his. And you mentioned earlier the connection between the New Testament, the Old Testament, Revelation, Daniel, and Daniel uses that term, right? Book of yes, Life. Yes, that is in Daniel. Yeah. Well, we are, we are at uh, 25 minutes already. Time flies when oh, you're no. having fun. So that, <laughs> if it's okay with you, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just call this episode one of Revelation 13, and then we'll come back next week and we'll do episode two and look at beast number two. Sounds good. We, we got a little time left, though. Uh, so that's the plan, folks. Come back next week for uh, the second half of Revelation 13. We'll look at beast number two, the beast out of the earth. So what else? Uh, final, final word from you on the beast out of the sea, this first beast. You've talked about how this, uh, this is basically secular government. A- anything else that uh, we need to know on this first beast that we haven't talked about? I think it's interesting to note, you know, how the devil uses things that God has designed and put in place for our good and twist them to, as, to make them his tools to, to get after us and to get us. And how for us as Christians to just always be wary and not become dependent upon whether it's the government or whatever, and realize that the Lord truly is the one who provides and what tremendous blessings he provides to us through, whether it's secular government or, or people that he brings into our lives. Uh, but to just always be on the alert because the devil is trying hard. You know, he wants, he wants nothing more. You think of Job, you know, he wants nothing more than for you and I to curse God and die. That's what he wants. And so he, he hates he hates groups of Christians. He hates the fact that you and I are sitting here and talking about God's amazing love found in Revelation. And uh, he works really hard using uh, whatever he can to try and, and drive a wedge between us and our, our Heavenly Father. So I think that's a big part of it is just always being, being on the lookout and not putting your trust in these things of this world, uh, but knowing the Lord describes it for a reason so we can be warned. Now you're given a nice paraphrase, basically, of uh, what Peter says, right? The devil is a roaring lion, prowling around, looking for someone to devour. Thank you, Pastor. We'll be back next week, and we'll take the second half of Revelation 13. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'll leave you with these words, folks, from Revelation chapter 19, beautiful gospel. Hallelujah, for our Lord God reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Thank you for listening to Impact, a podcast ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. 
Our email address is impact at st-andrew-online.org. That's impact at st-andrew-online.org. Please tell your friends and family about Impact and pray for this ministry. Impact is new every Monday and all past episodes are available. The better you understand scripture, the greater impact it will have on your life.